you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Over the top to Eifert. He's across for the touchdown. Here's Dalton. Having to roll out. Flips it now. It's caught. Touchdown. Eifert again. Anzel in the pocket. Flushed out. Chased, fires, finds for the touchdown, Duke Johnson. And here's the reverse to Sanu, with Dalton out in front leading the brigade, that Sanu takes it home for the touchdown. It was that kind of night for the Cincinnati Bengals. Andy Dalton working as a lead blocker for Mohamed Sanu on a 25-yard reverse. That was part of the 17-point second half, 31-10 to victory for the Cincinnati Bengals. They made it look pretty easy in the second half. Chris Wesseling, I'm here with you. We're going to get to Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler and preview all the Week 9 games in a little bit. Well, what were your takeaways after watching Johnny Manziel in primetime? This was a, a game at halftime, as Mike Pettin said, going into the half. It should have been 10-10 to 10 if not for Randy Stark's uh, offsides penalty, which turned a field goal into a touchdown for the Bengals. But then T- Turned actually uh, a loss on downs in, into a touchdown because Dalton one-hopped that pass to A.J. Green. You're right, that was a huge turning point in the game. But then the Bengals simply outclassed the Browns in the second half. They just have much better personnel and the better quarterback by quite a bit. The Browns managed just one first down in the entire second half the Bengals are so good and I don't think people I think people understand that but you just hear well you know they haven't done in the playoffs they're always good in the regular season well that's true on some level but they're never this good in the regular season I think this is by far the best team of the Andy Dalton era and I believe it's the best team of the Marvin Lewis era I, th- I would take it even over the the AFC North champion. yeah yeah I would take it over that team because it's so complete it can run the ball. They had over 150 yards running on a night where Jeremy Hill didn't do much. 
I don't think they needed Andy Dalton to play outstanding even tonight for him to have big numbers, and they have a very good defense. They're taking care of business, beating bad teams like the Bills, for instance, or the Ravens, Chiefs. I mean, they're it's not they're not close games for the most part. Yeah, they're they're just stacked, and you know CBS or. NFL Network, whoever's running these games, had that stat for <laughs> most homegrown players, and the Packers and Rams are the only two teams. I think you have to credit Marvin Lewis and their uh, personnel director, Duke Tobin, for that. And for as well as they've done on offense this year, if you're a Bengals fan, sorry, but Hugh Jackson's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. Oh, that's a good point because there's going to be so many openings in the way they're playing. He was really one step ahead of Mike Pettin. All night. And that's what I mean about Andy Dalton didn't need to play that well. I I would say this was, you know, a, a mid-level Andy Dalton game this year, if not, you know, lower than that, just because they didn't need him to do much. He only threw the ball down the field, I think, twice the whole game. One was uh, a play they could have gotten a P.I. Another was the touchdown to Eifert. And other than that, he's just throwing easy, short passes, and they're getting their receivers open, and they're making it pretty simple for him. Well, the difference, you know, people credit him for the confidence, fourth quarter success, and going down the field this year. Those are all true. But the biggest difference is just he didn't have Tyler Eifert, Marvin Jones, and A.J. Green in the playoffs last year. Mm. None of those three. And he didn't have Jones and Eifert at all, really, during during the season. And Eifert, we said it going into this game. I said he's – I think he's the second best tight end in the league right now, and he's certainly a big red zone factor. Yeah, I don't – nobody's playing better in the red zone outside of Gronk, I would think. I mean, his catch radius, and, you know, he has that my ball mentality too. It's just amazing. He's strong, and they really exposed uh, a Cleveland secondary, which is short on personnel. I mean, Tremont Williams got shaked out of his shoes on that Eifert touchdown. And in the second half, it was 12 first downs to none for the Browns until Johnny Manziel got a couple in garbage time. Let's talk a little Manziel. This game at halftime was fun. It was interesting. Johnny Manziel had just come off what I would say was the best drive of his NFL career. I think it was 92 yards, made a bunch of plays outside the pockets, 14 to 10. People are getting excited. You were getting excited about one of the heaters he threw. You were starting to get a little Johnny fever. That touchdown throw on the run, you know, that was a fastball. That was a P, as I said downstairs, but... (laughs) He didn't do anything after that. The, no. That gets you excited. He 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 does play that Sandlot style that's fun. But inside the pocket, Phil Sims kept pointing out with how many reads he was missing. And that that was basically what doomed them in the second half. They they had, to be fair, at least four or five drops. His numbers fifteen for thirty three, one sixty eight would look better if not for those drops. But you make a good point that all the success is coming outside the pocket and Mike Pettin said at halftime, it was interesting. Well, he's got to start making some plays in the pocket. Like, that's the type of quarterback they want, which is a weird it's a weird thing to say when that's maybe not Manziel's best strength, and yet that's what they want out of him. And I think you can read between the lines about where they're going to go at the quarterback position moving forward. Yeah, Josh McCown's expected to be back next week, and I would have to imagine he, he's run that offense so much better. than Manziel wasn't embarrassing by No, he was stretch, fine. But – But McCown's actually, they've been frisky on offense. I think they should play Manziel, but you're right. I think the defense has been the problem. I think the pressure on Mike Pettin is going to pick up. People are going to start talking about that he's 2-12 now after starting last year 7-4, and and his defense 
has not really done anything all year, and they didn't look good tonight. Even if you turn back to McCown for two or three games, you still have you a six-game sample size or a five-game sample size in December to play Manziel yeah. and see what you have. I think that's what they'll do. They are 2-7 and seven now. The Bengals are rolling along at 8-0. and oh. That race for the bye is going to be intense in the AFC. Could be uh, the best race we've ever seen. Yeah, and the Broncos play both of those teams. Uh, the Patriots and Bengals do not play, but the Broncos play both of those teams in the second half. So that'll be good. Let's look forward to some of the good games of Week 9. I will throw it over to Dan Hansis and the rest of the guys. The Around the NFL podcast. SoCal's number one Delaware tribute band. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. Thursday preview show. You just heard. Great job, by the way. I haven't heard it yet, but Wes and Greg, uh, they're the A-team. Let's face it. Wow. Broke down Cincinnati, Cleveland. Um, Mark, uh, in the future, I don't know if you're going to be happy or upset. I have a feeling. I have a prediction. But, but they all, um, that's what you heard at the top of the show, the Thursday night show. I have to my immediate left. You know, It's always good when you get a, a real broadcaster in here here he is nfl networks andrew siciliano at the top of the show what's up andrew wow three things number one why are you yelling at me i don't know (laughs) if they're the a team is rosenthal ba baracus and number three (laughs) good question number three take that wow do we have to bleep you like this is the jeselnik podcast there with what you just said Mm. maybe with jeselnik on the scene now i find it necessary to make things a little more raw to attract that demographic maybe it's me being threatened thank you for bringing that up though andrew dan would never have allowed it but now all our listeners a couple sent that they thought we were joking that i had another (laughs) theology (laughs) podcast But what? This, this Jessel Nick Rosenthal podcast <coughs> is real. Now, I didn't hear the first two. I listened to the majority of the third last night. It, All right. Sorry to take this out of <laughs> no, dirt road. No, no. Because no. Rosenthal's clearly been cheating on you. Andrew, the completest. However, cross-promotion. Um, has Jeselnik done his Dane Cook impression yet? No. Okay. Be good. That's a good one. Jeselnik is yeah, maybe, maybe it's more visual with the whole fish thing, Extremely but we should, you should guys should get into that. That's well, my thought. Anyway. Since, since you did bring it up, Andrew, before we – Andrew's at the top of the show because obviously we have big Lions news. So instead of typically digging into a few games, we're going to talk about what happened in in Detroit on Thursday morning. Uh, But I will ask you, Andrew, since you brought it up, Greg Rosenthal, you know, I am fiercely protective of this brand, the Around the NFL podcast, and uh, I view view all other podcasts, whether they're on this digital platform or others, uh, to be competitors. Is this man on my right – uh, an ally or an enemy? Your your feelings. Why why is he competing with you? Exactly. Just, I don't get it. Does the Michael Robinson Nate Burleson that that is they do one right? Is that a I don't do that. Is that a competitor? Not yet, no. according to the numbers. What about the Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> what about the Move the Sticks podcast? Yes, Dan views those all as enemies. Really? Are you with gonna like kneecap Jeremiah? In no. The parking lot? But well, here's just the asking difference. to play a pickup basketball I, game. I view it as like there's a million podcasts out there. In you theory, would do that. They're all competitors. Fresh Air is a competitor, and people are gonna listen to and find out what they what they want to listen to. I'm not worried about anything. Greg can't lose. Basically, that's what he's telling you. I mean, if you really want to take these guys on. I, I will go get Michael Robinson, and you two can meet in the parking lot. <laughs> well, that's not the battle that I want to fight. Um, <laughs> all right, so you're saying, Greg, not a traitor. 
I don't. I don't think he's a traitor. Okay. I, I'm not saying he is either. I listened to kind of crowdsourcing a little bit. You're just raising the question. I think I it would have been to funny. Both podcasts. It would have been funny if Dan, Mark, and I all went as turtle for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> or if from you actually, if you actually had Jerry Ferrara here on the show, which I'm sure he'd be happy to do it. I'm sure he would be. <laughs> um, all right. Enough of all that. Let's uh, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. We have all the week not. Oh man, week nine already. See? Already, Mark, yeah. you, you're just realizing now it's week nine. But to, to think of it that we're now halfway through is pretty wild. Mark, you like to say this is not the halfway point. Not even close. No. No. The, it's the one third point. Yeah, that's how I feel. Thank yeah. you. Uh, but so we'll get into all of those games. Uh, but first, yes, as I said with Andrew here, let's talk about it. The Detroit Lions hit the reset button on the franchise on some level on Thursday morning. The team fired general manager Martin Mayhew and team president. Uh, Tom Luand, uh, this was uh, a decision made, from what we understand, by Martha Ford, who is now the uh, acting owner of the team. Uh, uh, Ford also had a very uh, brief press conference where she read a statement and announced that Sheldon White, uh, the team's vice president of pro personnel, takes over as the interim GM. Allison Mackey, is that how you pronounce it? Yes, M-A-K-I. Thank you. It's the team's new COO. And guess what? Uh, Jim Caldwell still employed for the time being, uh, but we would imagine not for long. Andrew, I'll start with you on this. You just did three hours on, uh, around the NFL, the TV show on NFL Network. Your immediate takeaways when you heard the news. I, I don't know what they or what purpose is served by firing a coach in a GM now because they're – I'm not a coach. I'm sorry, a GM and a team president now because there's only so much they can do, I think, the second half of the season. I also don't know how much use there is firing a head coach now. But I do think it speaks to what the Lions need, and I'm not saying that both either of these guys deserve to be fired or do bad jobs. But, you know, if you go and you listen to Lions fans, if you spend a day in Detroit, not that fans run franchises, nor should they, their opinions do matter, however. The disenchantment with what has happened with that team this year is overwhelming, and it's toxic, really, in that town right now. To think, we want to play Damashek and if L. Where Jeez. would we be today if not for the pass interference, not pass interference call in Dallas in the playoffs? They could have, would have, should have beaten the Cowboys. Think about it. Jason Garrett might have been fired. Mm. The Cowboys might look different right now. The Lions would have won a playoff game. And who knows what they could have done. And then who knows what would have happened afterwards. They were 11-5 and five a year ago. Now, if they had won that playoff game, if they had gotten that call, would they not be 1-7? Would Sue have not left? I don't know. I can't answer those questions. But to think how close they were to writing a vastly different story. But I think a couple of things stand out. Number one, only Stafford and Sue have gone to the Pro Bowl of the players drafted by Martin Mayhew. Mm. 2010 and 11, none of those players are still on the roster from those two drafts. Um, they just have gaping holes, and they haven't received returns on the people they did draft. And and I also think, you know, Ian Rappaport talked about this a lot today on our show, you have to wonder aloud about the future of Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. He has $17 million on the books next year, not guaranteed. 16 and a half the year after that, not guaranteed. Ian suggested they may just cut him. I find that hard to believe. I think a guy that threw for 5,000 yards and 41 touchdowns a couple of years ago has to have some value before he turns 30. But they may not only wipe the entire front office clean, they may wipe everything clean. And that 
at this point wouldn't be surprising. I think we would be surprised if Jim Caldwell was the coach there next year. When you bring in a new general manager, he's going to want to hire his new coach. And if they don't, to me, that's maybe even a bigger red flag. You've seen it in Cleveland. When you do it one at a time, okay, now he inherits a coach. You often waste a year with Jim Caldwell. The Ford ownership in Detroit, you want to get Lions fans talking ask them about how they view the ownership situation for the Lions over the last, oh, 70 years or so. In theory, Martin Mayhew, by results, did a fairly good job. He came in for an 0-16 team, and they went to the playoffs twice in the last six or seven years. In Detroit, that's considered success, but I don't think there's really much of a case to be made looking at their roster that he needs to stay around. Well, look, Martin Mayhew created this mess, and Tom Lewan, when they started giving these huge salary cap numbers to Indomitian Sue, Matthew Stafford, and Calvin Johnson. And once you lose Sue, the rest of the roster just doesn't look good, especially when DeAndre Levy played, what, three snaps all year? They, they got caught a little bit in that old collective bargaining agreement that all those three picks were in that old one where the rookies got paid a ton, That's and then fair. they all turned out to be Great stars, point. and then their salary has to go up from there. So they got stuck and it really – through their fault, no fault of their own, because all three of those picks, even Stafford, I don't think was a bad pick at number one. No, not at all. If you can get an okay franchise quarterback. Yeah, but how much? How all the time we talk about on this podcast how the salary cap, yeah, teams face it, but there should be ways to always be able to sign the guys that are key guys. They should be held to the same standard we hold everyone else. I mean, to me, the big question now is Caldwell. To me, is the lamest duck ever. Right. Sure. He is gone. And the Stafford, like we're talking about, that's the biggest question, because what happens if you get, let Stafford go and he gets taken in by a different coaching staff and becomes that 41 touchdown guy again? And then you're stuck with a rookie you're trying to develop and you let a guy go out the door. I, I think two things. And Daniel Jeremiah tweeted this this week and he made a great point. He said the list of potential coaching vacancies, and I count between 10 and 12, just hypothetically spitballing here, is a lot longer than the list of what we see now to be viable candidates. So if you're going to get rid of Jim Caldwell, you have to answer, well, replace him with who? But I also think you have to say the same thing with Matthew Stafford. If you're willing to run off Stafford and not try to fix him with a different coach, then with whom are you going to replace him? Because those guys don't grow on trees either. And again, he's not yet 30 years old. So what are you going to do at quarterback? And I'll also ask this to the room. Let's say you put him on the market, and assuming he'll redo his contract and make this trade somehow acceptable, what's he worth on the market? Assuming the contract that he continues to make, $16, 15 $17 million, which I think he would, I don't think his value has really taken that much of a hit. I don't, but what, but I don't, what, think, what I don't think they get more in compensation than a second or third round pick, something like that. Yeah. I mean, oh, also, I thought you meant if he be, if he reaches free agency. No, no, no. If the lot because I don't cut him. I'm sorry. I have an under I wouldn't thirty. Cut him either. That seems I have an under thirty quarterback who threw for five thousand yards a few years ago. I'm not cutting that guy. I think he. I think he brings more than Sam Bradford brought. And Bradford no, went for what? Basically I agree. A, a no, just playing the other side of the fence. He's been there since 2009. This has not been a brief marriage. They've had him now seven years. Uh, Why is he I, worth so much less than Jay Cutler? By the way. I just don't get that. Well, He's been there fair. since 2009 years. But, I mean, they right, had but that trade was a couple of years ago. I think the dynamics have changed. I Maybe could, they haven't. I could see a different coach and GM coming in and being like, we know who Matthew Stafford is, 
and we don't think he's the guy. He doesn't he doesn't do hot reads properly. He doesn't know how to read defenses, and he's this far into his career. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if they said let's just start this whole thing over. And who knows? Is Calvin Johnson going to be back? Is this going to be an entire wholesale makeover of the franchise? I think number one, it depends if they wind up with the number one draft pick. Yeah, that's and good. whoever that's, that's is sitting there at GM at that point, however they handle the front office and the scouting, and they become enamored with. Whatever quarterback you want to fill in the blank, and we don't know who that is necessarily today, but the hot the read is from a lot of college people. There isn't that Andrew Luck sitting out there necessarily. There's a couple options, but a lot of times new coaches come in, and there's fear with them too. They actually seem to cling to that quarterback that the last guy couldn't fix. And I, I could see the team saying just what you're saying. Stafford is here, and yeah, he's not perfect, but if we get rid of him, what, are you going to roll with Dan Orlovsky right. and a rookie picked <laughs> no. in the third round? Well, he, he's not going to start. I looked it up here. Stafford is is 27. He's not 28 until February. So he he is the guy where some coaches might say, I, I want the Lions' job because of Matthew Stafford. I think so, too. I don't know if there are many court, uh, coaches that would say that, but I guarantee you there are some. But then the, the other option is you get rid of him and then you're Bill O'Brien making a big deal out of signing Brian Hoyer or you're the Browns signing Josh McCown. There's nothing out there. We sat in the studio and we talked about the end of the Jay Cutler era and what it was going to mean next year without Jay Cutler in Chicago last year in December when they benched him for Jimmy Clausen because we just assumed they're going to move on from Jay Cutler at that happen. point. Guaranted there's guaranteed money in his contract. That's a little different. But I've been comparing Stafford as he's almost the exact same type of guy and career as Cutler. He's just three or four years less of criticism, and people haven't gotten sick of him. My point is, though, it, they're going to keep Stafford most likely unless they get a number one they'll, overall pick or something like but that. But they'll keep him until they have his replacement exactly. in-house. Right. If they're going to keep Jay Cutler in Chicago because they couldn't get a trade, maybe, maybe you couldn't get a great trade for Stafford. It's fascinating. Trade I mean, Cutler for Stafford. How about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. In division. Pick your That'll poison. happen. By the way, they get the Packers next week when they come back, right? So the Lions haven't won in Green Bay since 91. And 1891? 1890, yes, <laughs> 1891, pre-turn of the century, the previous, previous century. They had football? So when they did actually Sheldon Price, Sheldon White, I'm sorry, the new GM, actually played in that game. That's a long Wow. <laughs> Andrew, uh, tell us the best thing that happened on the Around the NFL television show this week. This week? Yes. Oh, Wow. This week was – I don't want to call it a boring week. No, no, no. Siciliano. But in terms of fun interviews, right. it wasn't a fun interview kind of week. Does that make any sense? So How about great. the fall season? What's the fall season? I don't know. September 21st. Yeah. I said I don't watch network TV. Not, not to be rude or anything. I just don't. <laughs> no, I mean like autumn. Oh, autumn, yeah. the fall season. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I love the fact that I'm now wearing a hoodie here. I love feeling <laughs> – I, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. 90 degrees is awesome. I did go to the beach Saturday, if that's what you're asking. Mm. Sat- <laughs> Things, Saturday, that is what Dan Saturday is Saturday on the beach. Which Today beach I'm wearing to? a hoodie. Hot. Malibu. Malibu. That's a nice yeah. beach to go. And finally, last week on uh, with Andrew, last week you revealed, and I think it was an Around the NFL exclusive, Siciliano in a relationship. Uh, today I have one question to ask. Do I hear wedding bells? <laughs> I I'm gonna be like Andrew Luck Monday night. I'm gonna come. Uh, there's a team saying, but I'm not gonna comment on that. <laughs> yeah, you heard it there first, Andrew. Yeah. 
Siciliano is the host of the Around the NFL television show on NFL Network on five times a week. God knows what you're going to ask next. next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's getting to a, a dark place. Uh, yeah, so make sure you check that out. Also, DirecTV, the Red Zone domination there. You know what? Also, By the way, thanks for Westling's tweet. Westling sent out a Red Zone tweet. Was it yesterday? I've never been able to watch Red you're Zone. A, you're, you're, a good, you're a nice man. Thank well, you. Thank you. Much appreciated. <laughs> I agree. Who's the other guy yeah. that does Red Zone? Some Scott Hanson. Scott other Hansen. Do you <laughs> correct? Do you, do you view him as a competitor? Do you there, there view him are as two a competitor? Versions. Listen. Do you dislike him? <laughs> do I just first of all, Scott and I went to Syracuse together. Oh. He's a couple of years older than me, but we certainly knew each other at school. So there are two for those who don't know, there are two red zones. There is the original red zone channel. Now in its 11th season on NFL Sunday Ticket exclusively on DirecTV. Ooh, it is in every original. bar. It is. Well, it's the, it is. I had no idea there were two <laughs> different yes, red zones. I thought is, you and, and you work here. Like, I thought you guys were like on the same no. show. I was going to get to so, like. Go if, ahead. If you are in a bar in America, you're going to see the one I do. Because every bar has DirecTV so they can get all the games. There right? you go. That's okay. And it's, NFL, run. it's so NFL, you're the winner. Sunday, NFL Sunday Ticket, which is advertised by Peyton Manning and Eli Manning and Andrew Luck and Tony Romo and and football on your phone and all that. And then there is the one done here in our building <laughs> called NFL Red Zone, which is hosted by Scott Hansen. Sounds less important. No, I think not you can at read all. between the lines it, of what no, 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 no. I'm explaining. It's on NFL Mobile, right? I yes. Don't know. You're asking okay. the wrong group. And it's on cable. At work. Yes. Yes. And it's on the other satellite server. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there's two. And I'm just gonna say, like, you know, Aunt, you know, Scott Hansen is, not, you know, always bragging about, oh, I got a, you know, I didn't pee once today during my red. Zone. I haven't. Andrew is a pro; doesn't need to well, tweet about. Well, I that. keep. No, I do tweet about it. Oh, uh, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, buddy. Uh, well, right. I took a shot. I figured you didn't. All right, Jets fanboy, keep on. Oh, uh, wow. Why has it got to get personal? Why has it got to get personal? You just took a shot. I didn't you- realize it. The guy who just asked uh, if there's wedding bells coming. Yeah. Why it gets personal. <laughs> Let's check it out. I'm right. go Andrew with, Siciliano. Uh, you know what I'm going to go do now? What? I'm going to go listen to Rosenthal's Jez on the show. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That is the most wow. hurtful thing yeah. you could have said to me. And you know what? I, I may go listen to Sessler's Browns podcast. Do you have one? I can, I can cook one. Yep, up. start one. Let's go. <laughs> Mark and I are going to start a Charles Manson podcast. What? That, huh? that's, that was an odd uh, segue for Andrew, who's no concept of the backstory there. No, more about the mystery of why it all happened. So there's a lot of okay. A, so a lot of different options, obviously. But Andrew, thank you, and uh, you know, I'm sorry for for what mentioning the thing with the Twitter. Now I feel bad. No, the Twitter people. See, here's the deal. I respond. Didn't we go to that big meeting a couple of months ago? Where they said respond to people on Twitter. Yes. Yes. Okay. So when people say, "Did you go to the bathroom today?" You're, my, just, you're a man of the I people. I respond. My question next week will have something to do with bathroom habits. The answer is it's been since week three of 2014. Wow. Wow. <laughs> bang. There you go. All right. Oh, there it is. Andrew Siciliano. Good night. And now we get to the rest of week nine. And uh, this is the situation. We got uh, six teams on bye. Excuse me. Six teams on bye. <laughs> that means 13 games. We already did one game. So we're going to talk about. 12 games. Yes or no, Greg? I, yes or no. Is that an impression of something or someone or an area? Or it's just hey, a voice? And it's an impression of an area. <laughs> like a location. <laughs> dialect. It is. It's just something that comes out. Okay. It's, 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 a, real, it's a real thing. 
Uh, so yes, that is the break. Was it correct? Were the numbers right? That's really why I do it. Yeah, that's correct. It's okay. Dan's mathematician. Yeah, it's it's me kind of showing off a little bit. So that is it. Let's start getting into it. And let's start with the big AFC East showdown. Yeah, I said it. In fact, it's the big loser goes home match between the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. This is two teams sitting at three and four in a competitive AFC playoff picture. You know the division's gone. So to fall to three and five eliminates your margin of error almost entirely. So I think, um, you know, listen, those that asked the fork, we didn't have time for the fork this week. Uh, the discussion, the committee got together. We enjoyed the Danish, but we didn't get to have a fork discussion. But Tuesday, we will talk fork. And one of these teams is going to come up if they lose. Dolphins, Bills. Mark, we'll start with you. Uh, it feels like they've the both been forked. Just saying. What do you mean? They already the they, Dolphins were forked early, teams. and the Bills we forked the Bills. Yeah, we did fork the Bills. Oh no! <laughs> Look at me losing track of the fork. I don't really. I remember the Dolphins side. I don't remember the Buffalo London. side. Yeah, so. I you and Wes pushed me on it. Oh, that's I, right. I, we I did it. fork the Bills too. That's right. All right. Well, stupid. forget all that. We're stupid. Uh, anyway, the loser of this game is in bad at a bad spot. Mark, get us going. Well, there was a lot of hope for the Dolphins, I thought, initially because of the way Cameron Wake was playing. They had 12 sacks in a couple games, and then suddenly you lose him, and that's a huge, huge knock to this well, defense. Just, not to get into your point, but right, I'm, I'm we like roughly 14 seconds into my point. So. <laughs> Why? I mean, How long is it going to be? Well, I was going to say Tyrod Taylor is the, is the reason that Buffalo is going to win this game. Okay. He's healthy. The reason I – because before we moved on to the next subject, right. that's why I was interjecting and then sure. we continue. Anyway, sorry, Mark. The point I was going to make before we go crazy about Cameron Wake and Wes, I know you were big on Wake. They were losing like 38 to 6 when Cameron Wake got hurt to the Patriots. I get it. To the best offense in the NFL, one of the best offenses. But he's one player, and you believe that they were a playoff team, and one player only means so much. Who does? What if you took Tom Brady off the Patriots? Wes. That's different. Yeah, but look no, at what if, you take, Gr- what if you take Gronk off the Patriots? He, I wouldn't put Cameron Wake remotely in the same ballpark. And I also would say – Wait, you called Cameron J- Wake the best player in the NFL for, for week six for, and seven. For two weeks. That's great. J.J., you know who's the best player in the NFL overall on defense? is J.J. Watt, and right. he's on a lousy team. So one player can only mean so much. My point is, if they are a team with that sort of playoff potential and that their offense was turning it around, which you believed in, and their defense has a lot of good pieces, I think they can survive a Cameron Wake loss, you know, overcome that – I, you know, crazy How many times are we going to talk about this Cameron Wake loss? Look, I thought they were a borderline playoff team. I didn't think they were the Patriots. Sizzle, you're so that's why I think Taylor. that if you were a borderline playoff team and you lose your best player, you're not that impressive. Part of what else happened was the offense heated up when Campbell took over. I mean, right. all right, it's not just Cameron Wake, but right, exactly. it's, it's that the so fact that, that the Dolphins going. in general are playing better. But for me, the difference with Buffalo over their two-game losing streak is E.J. Manuel, who stinks – was playing quarterback. He buried them against the Jaguars. And Tyrod Taylor is a completely different quarterback who does much more than E.J. Manuel and gives the Bills a better chance to win these types of games. I don't have a problem that we forked them, though. I think the Bills will win this game, and I think the Bills have more going for them in general. They haven't put it all together this season, but during their best games, they have looked like a playoff sort of team. They had a, a crazy amount of injuries, and they're healthier now, and they're home. And I think this is an even bigger game for them than it is for the Dolphins. They're, they're just about done. You're right, Dan, I believe, if, if they lose this game. We took the Bills across the board, which is a little bit surprising mm. to me. But 
I guess we're all thinking that the Bills are due for that great performance that, again, makes you kind of invested in them, and the Dolphins maybe have peaked, and now they don't have wake, so they're in a tougher spot. Uh, moving on, the Green Bay Packers are coming off their first loss of the season, a game in which Aaron Rodgers just was looking like, uh, you know, average Joe, not me. Uh, I'm regular Joe. Uh, but he threw for, what, 76 yards? Is that 77. 77 yards, uh, looking uh, very human. And now he has to go to Charlotte to face, obviously, a Panthers team that is undefeated at 7-0. and They have they find ways to win, and their defense is very good. They have an all-pro corner in Josh Norman that's going to uh, probably, let's say, cover Randall Cobb or, and really hold uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, give Aaron Rodgers problems potentially. Greg? Do you think Rodgers has another tough challenge in front of him where he's not going to be putting up big numbers? Yes, because this is such a good defense and secondary and nothing is coming easy for them. And I've been waiting, and I'm sure it's happening in Green Bay a little bit, for some criticism to go Mike McCarthy's way. I mean, why, why can't these receivers get open earlier in the down? They are expecting Aaron Rodgers to essentially create magic. I rewatched that game. I thought Aaron Rodgers played fine. I mean, he didn't play well, but I, I don't think it was a game where you looked at it and you thought, wow, that was a really off day for Aaron Rodgers. I think they have not been able to get Randall Cobb open. They haven't been able to get Devontae Adams open. It's really that entire group, and they obviously couldn't protect him last week. I think this week they can protect him. The Panthers' pass rush really isn't that great. It hasn't been great the last few weeks. I mean, Green Bay hasn't lost back-to-back games since 2010. And that has everything to do with McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. And McCarthy, they asked him, what's the difference between when you waxed Carolina last year and right now? And he said, Josh Norman. Josh Norman, who held T.Y. Hilton to one catch last week and has been playing out of his mind. And if he can erase Randall Cobb for most of the game, some of these receivers that we've you know touted all offseason in Green Bay – are not the equivalent of Jordy Nelson. Well, make a play after the catch, Randall Cobb. Like, there were two plays last week where he, he had the ball in position, some open space, and a Broncos linebacker tackled him. He didn't make He's the Danny Trevathan miss. And he they, said that, too. We kept we kept blaming it on, on his shoulder injury, but I don't know. He's out there. He's playing. He looks okay. It's a big story in Green Bay this week to the point where Mike McCarthy said it's not a one-position issue because everybody's getting on the wide receivers. And to me, that is, that is that's where it all starts. You guys – you guys are getting on Cobb. James Jones, it's been a month since he's had more than two catches in a game. Mm. Devontae Adams has done nothing this year. Ty Montgomery's injured. I mean, they just have nothing. It was I've never seen a secondary lockdown wide receivers like the Broncos did to the to the Packers. I hold in my hand the week nine research notes. This is the rhythm of the night. Can anybody name the artist? Uh, Corona. Wow, Wes. Damn, that's good. That's well, correct. You, we you, have played this you in the office. You play at your desk roughly times. three times a year. Play what? This is the rhythm <laughs> of the night. Great song. From the research notes. Not a great song. <laughs> I like it. Well, not a great song in, you know, Lay Lady Lay, as Wes would point out. But it is, you know, it has its virtues. It's certainly one of the most popular songs at Dan Hansis' desk. That's true. <laughs> that, I do like that. <laughs> that I'll give it. That's got right. cachet. From the research guide, in Aaron Rodgers' last 14 games following a loss, and Wes, I can feel there's a little excitement coming from your area now with the research notes. Like, it used to think a bad stat was coming, but now it's all good stuff. Well, it's because you've learned how to use statistics. Okay, that's fair. Rodgers is 14-0 <laughs> and in those 14 games with 45 touchdowns and five picks. 
has not lost consecutive games in the same season since, as Mark said, week five and six of 2010. I generally think that's that's garbage. Though. Okay, I don't care about that as much. But I will – this is Aaron Rodgers, and uh, the numbers back it up. Anytime they lose, they go – they prepare that week like the world is coming to an end, and then they bury their opponent. Why wouldn't that happen here? If the world is coming to an end, football wouldn't matter that much, so it would be ill-prepared. This is that's the game bad. of the week at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Wes, please take my research guide note seriously. <laughs> This is a game that could decide who's home field advantage in the NFC, right? I mean, the winner, I would say. Hypothetically. I think the winner has a little bit of a head start, especially if it's the Carolina Panthers. At this point, I think they've convinced us they can win these type of big games, and we have to see how the Packers' defense responds after they got, you know, that that got ignored a little bit, that they got pushed around 500 yards against an, the worst offense in the league, and no one was talking about the lousy Packers' defense after that game. Mark, you were the only one among us to pick the Panthers. Of course, wow. you're, you're known to change your picks often after they're in, and we talk about them on the show. That's like gain more information and insight onto the matchup. But yes. for no now, you took the Panthers. The Why? If Josh Norman hadn't deflected that pass to T.Y. Hilton, everybody would think totally different about the Panthers this week. Sure. Why did you take the Panthers? They're at home. I feel like they, they're they going to hold serve. It wasn't that I don't think the Packers could win this game, but I, I'm going Carolina. I'm rolling the dice. All right. Very good. So, I think they're favored. No, they're not. Really? We're not allowed to discuss that. that favorite? What do you mean favored? What's this favor you speak of? Let's move on. The St. Louis Rams, <laughs> uh, there they are sitting in second place in the NFC West, two games behind the Cardinals. Greg feeling uh, feeling real excited about that. Now they get the Minnesota Vikings, uh, who are 5-2 and two in second place in their division, the NFC North. Uh, so on paper, we got a nice little matchup. And the fact that it's in Minnesota uh, makes you think the that – the Vikings will have an advantage here, but this is what the Rams have. Todd Gurley against Adrian Peterson and Wes. You are of the mind that the Rams, not the Vikings, have the advantage at running back. I don't even think that's disputable. How, is that even like a bold statement? It's not a bold It's pretty bold, but, but it's I not. think it's absolutely disputable. Peterson's third in the league in rushing. We've been talking about him that we don't think he's much different than he was a couple of years he's ago. He's coming off his best game of the season, not statistically, but the way he ran. Yeah. Getting, like, consistent six, seven yards. I think Gurley's coming off one of his – it shows how amazing he is. That might have been his worst <laughs> – All of his games are the and best that might have been. No, I was going to say that might have been his worst game of the season. I thought – He looks somewhat human if you take out the 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, he didn't He didn't have a lot of plays where he pushed the pile and, and everything, but he's just so decisive, and he gets better. It's such a cliche, but he really does get better as the game wears on. But it really is. It has been almost week after week, the one or two big bursts that – that's where the majority of his stats are coming from. He's not a run for 8, 12, 11, 15, 9, 6. It's like against Cleveland and last week, there's a lot of times where he's stopped up and then he blows you up with the big run. But that's that's what Chris Johnson did in his prime too and this season. Yeah, I mean, I everything that Gurley's done, he's on pace to break Dickerson's rookie rushing record, which would be 500 more yards than Peterson had as a rookie. He's 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 already on a better pace post-ACL than Peterson was in his post-ACL season. That's the gold standard for ACL recovery. This is a game where, you know, the Vikings are favored. They're at home. They're 5-2. and two, And yet I, I don't think these teams are that even. And when, when, for instance, you look at the Football Outsiders numbers, DVOA, they have the Rams as the 13th best team in the league. You mentioned last week how bad the Vikings are in their ratings, 27th. I think they've been very lucky. For what it's worth, I don't agree with Football Outsiders. They're no. the 27th best team. No, I mean, theirs is just numbers based on how you know they've moved the ball and what they could expect uh, on a week-to-week basis. The Rams have consistently had a really good defense. The Vikings have 
have done enough to win close games against bad teams. This Rams team, I used to talk about Chip Kelly had the quarterback-proof offense. Jeff Fisher is now mastering the quarterback-free offense. He would prefer if quarterbacks did not exist, and he's he's doing about as well as that can be had. That's why he'll never be back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. It, he coaches like it's 1973. Their only plays are runs and then – Nick Foles throwing the ball 40 yards down the field. It's like the old, those old Raiders teams in the late 80s. Their, their only throws are trick plays with Tavon Austin and 50-yard bombs, and, and Kenny Britt usually drops those. Funny little anecdote from Jason Hartilius, one of our producers. Jeff Fisher was on yesterday, Total Access, and before they were taping, he, you know, they asked him about Todd Gurley, and he's like, you know, it's funny. All I do is turn it around and hand it off to this kid, and now everybody wants to talk to me. <laughs> and Hartelius was saying they should, he should have left that in. Like, that was good TV. If you're the Vikings and you don't win this, number one, you lose your final wild card spot to the Rams as of Sunday night. And then you have to go play the Raiders, the Packers, the Falcons, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals before the Packers again to, to close the season. To Mark's point, listen, we lucked out two games in a row. This is the rhythm of the night. Are you just going to repeat what I just said? The Vikings have played the weakest strength of schedule up to this point in the season, 18 and 36. But Minnesota will now face the toughest remaining schedule from here on out, 42 and 25. That's a 6-27. Your stat was basically just a repeat of Greg's Football Outsiders data and Mark's schedule data. <laughs> wow, Wes is taking shots. <laughs> what do you mean? Because Greg made the point that they've only – they're ranked so low in football outsiders because they haven't played anybody yet. And then Mark made the point about the upcoming schedule. And then I and then I provided the numbers to back oh, it all you, up. Oh, because so you, you guys added, are just citing like these hocus pocus websites. I got actual data. <laughs> I just cited from the their schedule, notes. but you did put a beautiful little bow so, on it. So you just added gravitas just, to the situation. No, just because I've cornered the research market now, <laughs> and you guys are trying to get in on my corner. Get off the corner because it's mine. I want to give just for that. The next game is going to get some more research. Now. I want to yeah. give uh, Wes some props here for. Well, that's what this show is all about. Two of you just back slapping each other. From <laughs> Whoa, it is. Since when has that ever happened? Whoa. Since last episode. The whole thing was scientist uh, heat or whatever. Well, it's backdoor heat. It's what it <laughs> Excuse is. Excuse me. Backdoor Raising. <laughs> I don't even. Well, know all right. Proceed. All right. I'm we'll just going to we'll say, deal let's it. get to my compliment. Uh -huh. Sydney, can you cut Mark and I's uh, mics? <laughs> Tavon Austin is having a great season. The numbers are not outstanding. I don't know if he's on pace to get you your sandwich or whatever you said with it. But per play, when they give him a chance to make a play, he is a difference maker. He is the guy. He's maybe not worth a top 10 pick with this role, but he is a very valuable piece and is, is fun to watch every week. I'll tell you what he's worth. He's worth Roto World mentioning that they actually exist. There you go. Uh, Connor Orr is the only one to take the Vikings. And by the way, I will say that Mark, who's had back-to-back -back great weeks with the picks, uh, has moved out of the cellar in our picks league. Connor dropped into last place, so I talked to Connor about that on our chat client, Slack. Um, <laughs> quit slacking. Sign up for Slack today. Uh, and he said he was going to stop being so risky with his picks. He's going to rein it in, which is mm. kind of a bummer to hear. Right, and it's not the way you climb out of last place anyways. It's you know, what do you know about picks, Greg? You quit. I kind of disagree with you, Greg. I kind of got smart and a little bit more conservative and climbed out of last place. So, Greg, you quit yeah, on us with that. It, that's playing for fourth. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I'm not even listening to it. There's a lot of heat between the two of you now. Guy's not even involved, and he's taking shots. <laughs> well, this is – listen, I'm uncomfortable, but I also love it.
We got right. Ornery Sessler. Today. Moving on, the Washington Redskins. Oh, you're in a tough spot, Washington. You're three and four, and that's cute. But now you got to go to Gillette Stadium. You got to go to Foxborough, which is basically it's just like a mall where football is played to face the undefeated, <laughs> untested, with the exception of the New York Jets. I love it. Seven and zero, New England Patriots uh, on paper. Listen, the games are not played on paper, Greg. This is going to be a blowout. But you don't think so. You think we'll be very close. No, I think, oh. they'll, I think they'll handle uh, their business. Wouldn't be a shock if it's close at halftime. That, that's what happens in games. It happens in Patriots games. But there's no reason to think that Kirk Cousins is going to avoid mistakes for four quarters and the Redskins defense, which just got lit up before the bye by the Bucks, are going to be able to stop them. The last time the Patriots didn't score in a quarter was the first quarter of the season opener. That's an amazing. <laughs> that's an amazing stat. Wow. Even, what? The last time they didn't score in a quarter was the first quarter of the season opener, which, by the way, had two long drives that took up the whole quarter. That's incredible. They've they've twenty seven straight. It just shows how like steady. It's like not a, a bad research. Like a metronome that they've been. <laughs> it's okay. Is it? It's probably in there. Nah, it's not. But it doesn't mean it's uh you know a great stat. I would bet or, that it's in there. <laughs> probably in there somewhere. It's like four hundred pages. Get off my corner, bro. Patriots have five players on our midseason All-Pro team, which is the most of any team, not surprisingly. NFL.com slash midseason report. You can find all nice of plug stuff. You can also go to Chris Wesseling's archive and uh, check out that uh, It's archive <laughs> Or NFL.com slash All-Pro. Oh. See, Mark, your know. thoughts on this gratuitous plugging? <laughs> Keep going. I'm sure there's more ways that you could get in and you know promote this piece. Mark, take us through your thought process right now. Just in general. What are you so angry this, about? I think just he's angry about I'm actually not angry on any level. Let me I'm, just say what I'm it is. I'm having a fantastic time here. Let me take a guess. Yes, if you're listening to the podcast, you heard the Cleveland-Cincinnati recap. But we have yet to watch the game. Uh, Mark and I are going to go somewhere to watch it. And I think there's a little doom and gloom as you look ahead. I think it's no different than Alliance. You don't want your team on national television tonight where every all the hot takers – Get going on Twitter. I think it's going to be a bunch of nonsense. I'm just turning my phone off. And you are let's let's open up open up the book a little bit. Pull back the curtain. You're worried that Wes and Greg are going to trash your team at the top of the show. Well, I don't think they're going to trash them unless they deserve it. And my concern is that Cleveland's going to deserve it. It's more than more than what's going to be said is the fact that, you know, you, you talk about flex games. You can't flex these Thursday night games. This thing needs to get off would, the grid. I, would, I wouldn't want to. I'm interested to see John. Well, we've already talked. Speaking we've of flexing, by the way, Kevin Patra had that home gym now for probably a couple of months. Mm. Maybe we could start getting pictures of him, you know, shirtless just to get the progress checks. And you guys are going to read into that. that. I've seen like a five foot ten, 170 pound man before. I know what Patra looks like. Bro. It's not the before and after. Bro. It's the after and the after. Yeah. after. Dude. Patrick's body is sick. He's he looks like a normal white man. Why well, you got to bring race into it? I don't know. That's what Patrick looks like. What does that have to do with any of this? Okay. Patrick's body is sick. Now Chris sick. made it uncomfortable. All right. Let's move on to the <laughs> – yeah, we got the we got the Patriots across the board, <laughs> as you might imagine, moving on the Tennessee Titans. Excuse me, the Tennessee Titans. Wow. Oh. Um, sorry, guys. It's just it is what it is. Have a new uh, interim head coach. By the way, I thought it, I thought it was funny and slightly tragic that Ken Wisenhunt went 3 and 20 with the Titans and they replaced him with an interim coach that is 3 and 20 with the Bills before he got fired uh in Mike Malarkey. and one of the most and boring humans that we've Jaguars. ever encountered 
Yeah, so that's that's a situation the Titans are Titan Titans are in, and now they get the Saints, who all of a sudden the the Saints, who they looked as bad as a team could look at the start of the season. Now you look up, they're four and four. They're you know they're probably not going to catch Carolina at seven and zero, obviously, but they're right in the playoff mix. They're playing well. All those concerns, Greg, about Drew Brees and his shoulder, they were salted away after really one of his great or perhaps his best performance ever uh, last Sunday against the Giants, at least statistically. So you got to think now, if if Drew Brees is Drew Brees again and he's starting to figure out how to pass to these guys, they're going to put up points and they're going to win games and they should take care of business against Tennessee. They should. Tennessee's defense, as Wes has said, oh, no, I'm complimenting Wes again. I'm sorry. Well, he has. Um, no, you're right. I, you know, that, that was not it's gratuitous. About me. <laughs> <laughs> the Titans defense has played well. I still think it's a miracle in, the, in 2015 that the Saints scored 52 points led by 125-yard-plus games from Ben Watson and Marcus. Yeah, how does that happen? It's ben like Watson. those are their two leading receivers. It's insane. I hate ben that. Watson looked great. Yeah. I st- I've been staring at Ben Watson on waiver wires for my two fantasy teams <laughs> week after week, thinking to myself, should I just pick him up for the hell of it? And then he you bangs out like back to 100, back to back 120 yard games. And I'm He's on myself. pace for 944 yards this year, which is more than Jimmy Graham had last year. Well, even in our wow. Josh Hill, and we were writing the Josh Hill, and when I say we, I mean me, writing the Josh Hill making the lead piece with a lot of self doubt about why <laughs> he was involved in that process. Even back then, they were whispering about the fact that. Watson was the only tight end they trusted in the passing game. You can tell they, him and Breeze have a close personal relationship, too, which can never very close. He's a very <laughs> leadership. I don't know where you're going there. This game is interesting. <laughs> I think they can take the tunes away from the Titans this week because Marcus Mariota makes this team more interesting, and he's playing maybe the worst defense in the entire league, certainly one no of them. No Kendall Wright this week. And he gives them a chance. He gives them a chance. They didn't have much of a chance with Zach Mettenberger. Yeah. How about this? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Versus Titans at Redskins at Texans. The Saints are going to be 7-4. and four. One thing I noticed last week, too, I watched that game this morning. For the first time all year, I saw the real C.J. Spiller mm. on one play. Mm. He, he, he kind of exploded through a hole for 10 or 12 yards, and that's the first time this year I've seen that. Well, no Kyrie Robinson for the rest of the season, so they, they need Spiller, and he's, he's going to get more snaps because of that. Maybe he'll hit the starting lineup for Milena Vontrov. He's been wasting away on the bench. We By the way, Dan, on the schedule later on, it's Bucks, Lions, Jaguars. The Saints have one of the easiest they slates. They get to remaining. nine wins. Speaking of good columns this week, actually, you went negative in the end. You went with the teams that <laughs> won't make the playoffs. Initially, you were thinking the teams that will jump yes. because of the schedule, but you wrote about teams with tough schedules down the stretch. I was directed by Henry, the director of programming, <laughs> to go negative, and uh, I just follow orders when I'm told by Henry to do anything. You'd be a good soldier. If he were the commander. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, we took the Saints across the board. Moving on to the Meadowlands where the Jacksonville Jaguar at 2-5, and five, but still in the mix in the AFC South, uh, face the New York Jets who are coming up back-to-back losses. One loss perfectly respectable, respectable against the Patriots. The next loss not at all respectable. Looked terrible and lethargic and slow against the Raiders at the Black Hole. So now the Jets are 4-3. and three. This is a very important uh, game for this team. Ryan Fitzpatrick has a torn ligament in his non-throwing thumb, but he practiced all week, much to Geno Smith's chagrin, and will start. So I, I'm happy about that as the Jets end, but concerned about ball security. We'll see how that goes. Uh, so you add it all up, Wes. Tell me. 
I feel like this is things are set up for a nice Jets week. A game they they they're a better team. They're coming off two losses. They have their quarterback. They're at home. I think the Jets take care of business. You're you're feeling. Well, yeah, I think you just everything you said is true. They're a, they're the better team. I think that the Jaguars have the better quarterback though. That's that's fair. Yes, it's fair. Maybe a lot of maybe a couple pieces on offense that you know a lot of teams could feel enviable about. Allen Robinson leading the NFL in catches of twenty plus yards and in yards per reception, and Allen Hearns is in the top five. He's Allen Robinson great. is on pace for like a fourteen hundred yard season. Which I mean, you know, a lot of people in the preseason were very high on Robinson, and he's actually one of the few Jaguars players in recent memory living up to the hype. So good for him. Their offense in general has taken a big step forward, but Blake Bortles is coming off his worst game of the year. And really, the last two weeks before the bye, he did not play well at all. So that's a concern when you're about to play this Jets secondary who has to be uh, smarting after the beatdown they just got from a second-year quarterback and wanting to prove that, you know, we thought this is one of the best defenses in the league, and they they got – it was a boat race last year. Yeah, that was some humble pie that they got served. And I I think – a team of veterans, I think they, they'll wake up and, and respond to that because I'm sure the coaching staff buried them for seven straight days about that performance uh, by the time kickoff happens. One guy I'm, I'm legitimately concerned about, and you guys maybe, uh, I don't know what pro football reference says, uh, pro, excuse me, PFF says, uh, but Antonio Cromartie, I don't know if he's any good anymore. Uh, he's got the name brand, obviously, uh, but you say the Jets have this lockdown. I think Buster Screen, as we've talked about, has been very good in his role. Uh, when when the secondary is healthy, it's Hillcrist has been good. Yeah, it's been very good overall. This and Revis maybe is not the same Revis that he was, but if you look week after week, he keeps these guys in check. Has not had a bad week, so he is still uh, an elite level corner. But Cromartie concerns me, and he's been getting a beat a lot this year. Well, Isn't the talk now about moving him to safety, which I think would be a horrible idea? PFF he can't has, tackle. He's averse. He's averse to contact. PFF has. Screen and Cromartie as the 90th and 100th best out of 113 cornerbacks. That surprises me about <laughs> Screen. It doesn't shock me about Cromartie, who, by the way, every two, second or third season of his entire career, he's been terrible. Jets fans know that. It's not yeah. like he's a year after year. I'm just a lockdown guy. He, he'll get. I don't even think it's contract related because sometimes it'll be in his free agent year. It's just he's an up and down emotional confidence type. And they can get out of this contract after one year if they choose. I could see that happening. Sure. I mean, I think that with the Jets, I don't know if last week was just an aberration, but it was weird to see a Todd Bowles defense just whiffing on tackles and almost like shying away from contact in some cases. They're going to come back as a different team. I think if you're not a Patriots fan and you're not on the throne of ease, I think – these games can happen to any team every once in a while. You just kind of hit a buzzsaw and you're on the road and, and the snowball starts building. But I, I, I think they'll be okay. I mean, the one thing I do want to see with the Jets, I want to see Chris Ivory running like Chris Ivory again because it's been a few weeks now and I'm not I, – if he has another bad game, I have a lot of concerns that that leg is not healthy at all and they're hiding it. I'm really intrigued by this game. I'm looking forward to it so much so that maybe I won't assign you the Jets, Dan, for the first time ever. If, so how I'll take it for you. myself, and you can uh, That's mean. have Tennessee, New Orleans. You know it's almost the only thing I have. I have my wife and my <laughs> I'm just son. kidding. I would never do such <laughs> And I have the Jets. I would not do it. It's weird that the Jets, 4-3 and three in three games out of first, the Jaguars 2-5 and five in a merely one game out of first. That's true. You'll have one game out of first game. We took the Jets across the board. Always gets me nervous. Moving on, the Oakland Raiders, the silver and black, as we just said, put a whooping 
on a very uh, I was going to say very good Jets team, but a good Jets team. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so they're sitting now at four and three in uh, the middle of the AFC playoff mix, and now they go to Pittsburgh. Here's another big test for the Raiders. If we're thinking the Raiders are good, you know, a good team, you got to go into Pittsburgh and put up a good performance and maybe even beat the Steelers that are – they have a quarterback that's still banged up. They don't have Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers still vulnerable. Uh, Mark, do you think this is a week where we could see the Raiders take another step into being one of the AFC teams that we should be taking very seriously? Much more so than, you know, with what Pittsburgh was putting on the field a year ago. I think it comes down to is can their offense get back on track? I, Big Ben just did not seem completely healthy last week, and you know, with another week of practice, the Steelers, I just watched this happen in Pittsburgh a thousand times. They don't lose two or three games in a row ever with Big Ben, and I think they'll probably bounce back. But the Raiders, like, they've gone up against one good defense after the next and kind of continue to show that they can produce points. It's the AFC's version of Rams-Vikings this week, a huge game for the wild card race. Uh, there's a lot of good wild card race. I, I would say the Bills-Dolphins fits into that too this week. No one really... Uh, criticized Ben Roethlisberger for playing terrible against the Bengals. I mean, he had a meltdown, which if Andy Dalton had, Andy Dalton didn't have a great fourth quarter either. But he collapsed at the end of that game. A lot of the credit has to go to the Bengals, but a couple of those throws were just crazy throws. And it makes you wonder, the first three weeks of the season, I would argue he was the best quarterback in the league right behind uh, Aaron Rodgers. And if he's not the same Ben and you don't have Le'Veon Belts, I mean, it's not the same team. It's not just the throws. He had trouble escaping pressure because right. he's just not as mobile. Uh, you wonder how much that will change this week. He's got another week to get healthier. So we'll see. I mean, Antonio Brown came alive on that first drive of the game and then didn't do much the rest of the way. But Heath Miller had a great game. They need to get Martavis Bryant. Their defense involved. played fantastic too, which is a yeah. which is a great sign for them. I thought. I mean, their defense played more than uh, well enough to beat Cincinnati. Clearly, we're not all the way sold on the Raiders yet because we went. Steelers across the board as a group, uh, hmm. but perhaps that will change after this week. Moving on, the Atlanta Falcons now travel to San Francisco uh, to face the 49ers. And, yes, quarterback Blaine Gabbert back on the grid of society, replacing Colin Kaepernick, uh, who was benched by Jim Tomsula this week. Carolina has come back to earth. They've lost two of three now, including – uh, last week, their only win in the last three games was an uninspiring 10-7 victory over a Marcus Mariota free Titans team. Um, one more note on Kaepernick before I throw it to you guys. Jim Tomsula, this was his explanation, Greg, of why he made the decision to bench Kaepernick. Uh, he wants Kaepernick to, quote, take a step back and breathe and look at things through a different lens. What does that mean? I know. I think I know exactly what it means. He. This was a mercy benching. That he. What he watched last week was a guy so far in his own head and out of his depth that this is the the nice and correct and responsible thing to do as a coach. That was a tough. That was one of the toughest games I can remember watching. Because he was that bad. It was one of the worst performances, and it seemed like it was in his head. When he misses throws, he's missing by a ton, and they schemed up perfect plays for him on the first drive of the game, and that was really the only time they could they could move the ball. He For a guy that was that high up, you, you had to bench him at this point because he just wasn't giving the team any chance to be competitive. I think also because looking at what's going on with their offense in general right now, 
that if you didn't want it to get that much worse for Kaepernick, you just want to take Blaine Gabbard and just toss him into the fire. Well, that's what happened. I mean, you don't have a, you don't have any healthy running backs. You're handing the ball off to nobody. You've just traded Vernon Davis, and the passing game's a mess. Here comes Blaine Gabbard. It's a and disaster. An, and Anquan Bolden isn't practicing this week. Gabbard's a sacrificial lamb. You gotta you gotta feel bad for Gabbard a little bit that. He was in a no-win situation in Jacksonville. And listen, there's a very good chance he can't play at this level. There was a lot of anecdotal evidence uh, pointing to that. But now he's going the second chance to start with another franchise. No no chance in hell to be even decent on this team either. This might a be a evidence. worse situation yeah. than the Jacksonville situation. The evidence is not anecdotal. It's out there on the field. Every <laughs> variety of evidence. All right, but I'm just saying. like, Except just, MJD's anecdotal evidence. That's true. It's you know what is MJD? So MJD plays? thinks that Blaine Gabbert's the best quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> no, well, okay, <laughs> he thinks that gonna, he played with. He thinks he's going to play well this week. He thinks he has a lot more potential than he, than he showed. That's what MJD. When he says, does, I almost says went with that, this as my headline from the future for NFL Dow. It was like Blaine game Gabbert, you know, rises. And I can't do that. But if he when, <laughs> when MJD says that, does he include Derek Carr, who he played with last year? That's a very odd statement. You're tight with MJD. You should ask him. I don't think this I is will. that bad of a spot compared to having to face the Rams or the Seahawks like they did the last two weeks. The Falcons have no pass rush. They're they're an okay defense. They're not a great. They're not a good defense. I would say they're a little below average. I mean, you're trying to talk yourself into being interested in this game like the 49ers. No, I'm not interested. Like Blaine Gabbard's going to lead them to victory. This would be my you know last in my power rankings of games this week. So you're going to give it to Connor which you know week after week Connor's gotten the absolute stinker. He got the the Giants Saints classic last. Well, week. not cuz we knew it was going to be good, but yeah. No, it was okay. It was better than some games on the board. Mark always, Mark likes to text me to find out what games he wants and he'll always volunteer. I do. Hey, give me the worst game that no one else wants. And you know what I usually do? I take you up on that. Well, no, I'll take one I like and then I'll say get the second yeah. one you just hand me some trash. Yeah. <laughs> I take whatever you want to give me, boss. Give me the Jets and whatever you want. Well, that's no different than what I'm saying. <laughs> that's all. Lock yeah. me in for a game I want, and then yeah, you know, it. you know, part yeah. two. I guess it's the same thing. Uh, moving on. Listener has no idea what we're talking. About. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <The New York laughs> little window into what Greg has to deal with on games. What is? Why don't you give a little more explanation, Greg? Since you, we've gotten into it. What do you? Why would anyone want? Greg assigns games every week. We're oh, mad okay. men who Wait. cover three football games oh, at the right. same time. Yeah, I have to assign out the games and. Uh, like everything else, yeah, these guys have uh, strong opinions on what they get and what they don't get. Actually, in this case, everyone's <laughs> generally cool. But I know, I know, you know. I you make guys, like one request wants, a year. Everyone wants to get the good games. It's natural. Of course. Moving on, the New York Giants atop <laughs> uh, a, a the NFC East at 4-4. Four and four. Uh, Now they get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road in Tampa. You know, Tampa is 3-4, and four, and... You know, James Winston is showing things on a week-to-week basis. This is now, it went from a few weeks ago looking like a total nightmare scenario in Tampa to a situation where they string together a few more wins and end up, you know, six to eight wins at, at you know at best. That's a successful season, right, Wes? Oh, yeah. I think it's all about the quarterback there. You, and you've got Doug Martin now. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option, but he's shown enough that they'll probably try to sign him try to re-sign him but yeah they've got it they've got a nucleus now because Jameis Winston does look like the real deal they're a t- they're a legitimate team they're not good but their defense is no longer one of the five worst in the league I don't think it's it's not a good defense but it's respectable they have a few playmakers on it this is not a game where I look at Giants Bucks and think one team is wildly more talented than the other I think they're closer to even well I know that we 
disdain passer rating around here, but Winston's through seven games is the highest of any top overall pick in the Super Bowl era. And what it points to is the fact that after week one, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, what is going on with Winston? This team looks like a massive disaster. He's not going to survive. And at this point in the season, he's just gotten better and better with every game. I give Dirk Cutter a lot of credit that they look so professional. The offensive line was one of the worst in the league. They drafted a couple guys, and after struggling early in the season, they're totally respectable. They did a nice job uh, protecting the last couple weeks. Do you think anybody calls Dirk Cutter Dirkbag? (laughs) Probably not. I feel like that would be like a pretty like kind of badass nickname. It is, and it's actually not a negative one if you hey oh Dirkbag, and then he turns around and he's like hey what's up. Probably, certainly, like in middle school, high school days, he was oh, like a sixty-year-old man, like when he's sixty, like just call him that. Odell update: You asked a couple weeks ago, yes. what's <laughs> wrong with him? Now on pace for a hundred receptions, thirteen hundred yards, and fourteen touchdowns. I, I want to ask you guys something. I've been getting some heat from some Giants fans, uh, including one in the building, mm-hmm. that believes that I criminally underrate Eli Manning. I really think, if anything, I'm overrating. I have him as the number 12 quarterback for this season. When this you watch Eli Manning, do you think he should be much that's, higher? Uh, than that's that? fair. All Giants Thank fans you. in history overrate Eli Manning. It's it's unreal. They think he's been better than Phillip Rivers and Big Ben in his career. So 12, is, 12 seems fair. So you basically just teed this up so the scientists could bully Eli Manning, who just threw for 350 yards and five touchdowns. Well, that was, that's why people were upset about it this week. I said, well, watch the rest of the games. They've been pretty bad. Giants watch the fans. two previous weeks. They've been mediocre. They've Some been- of those games are situational, too. It's not because that's Eli Manning in a nutshell, throw five touchdowns every game. That, that was a weird game. He's that- a game manager. They're trying to reduce his his. He's better than a game manager. From if you When you look back on his career – he is going to be statistically among the tops of every quarterback in his generation in terms of top five in every statistical category. Not completion with percentage. At least, okay, you could have completion percentage with at least two Super Bowl rings. So to call to anybody that says I'm Eli saying Manning game manager is just this like this year. They've changed mediocre how he quarterback. He's been a great Giants quarterback. Giants fans have no one to blame but, but themselves because they perennially overrate him so much. Well, they, what? You would overrate him too if he, if he brought your franchise two titles. And I'd like to think point. I wouldn't. If you if you root for crappy teams, one thing that you get with Eli Manning, and this is underrated, the guy has played every single game. Oh yeah, exactly. By the way, I mean that's really amazing compared to right. I mean that's underrated. Nothing wrong with the number being the number twelve quarterback in the league either. No, there that's, isn't. That's worth a lot. He's uh, twelve seems low though. Come on, give him ten at least. Who are you putting him over? Derek Carr this season? No, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. Forget it. Why wouldn't he be above Matt Ryan this year? Ryan hasn't had a good year. I think Matt Ryan's at a better year. 12 is good because quarterbacks and their numbers and what they're doing is higher by far than ever before. This year has been insane for passing. Just block those Giants fans. <laughs> Are they actual humans, though? Aren't yeah. they oh. humans? I, I, I would like to block Big Shot Rob. Oh, yeah, cut him out uh, of your life. <laughs> well, that's not fair. But uh, yeah, the, It's kind of fair. <laughs> uh, this is a, we were split on this 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 game. The uh, Sessler, Hansis, and Orr all took the Bucks. Wes and Patra took the Giants. And by the way, Kevin Patra, well, shoot, first of all, body sick as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, he is number tied for second in the nation amongst national uh, writers and pundits in picks, according to uh, a website. Wes, Was like him Earth. and Chris Carter and Keyshawn Johnson or something? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know who it was. Uh, yeah, Carter was definitely one of them. This is why I stayed out of it. There's a steamroller oh. named Patra just running over the rest of the country. I still so like, you're afraid of the challenge. Yes. Greg, I'm still thinking you should at least consider our idea of the, the burlap sack over your head while we do the picks portion of each uh, Thursday show. I thought you were going to say the part where I am the 
picks whisper for Mark. By the way, you know, I talked to Patrick. Still great now, though. Part of his lifting regimen is zero toxins in the body on any level. Really? And so his mind is clear, and he is killing a bunch of, you know, beer-addled football pickers, the rest of our group. Ooh. I can't believe that that's true. It's probably not true. Uh, moving on to another uh, late game, the Denver Broncos. Oh, this will be an interesting game. The Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning. Peyton looks to be putting it together a little bit. Now he can set all times, all kinds of personal and NFL records in Indianapolis, the place where it all started against the Colts. Uh, you know, this all of this seems to set up very poorly for Andrew Luck, who, uh, you know, said had this to say uh, this week, I feel healthy with no limitations. It's like, geez, is that good news? Are we supposed to say, oh, he's, he's fine physically? If you're the Colts, wouldn't you rather him be hurt? And that would explain what's going on. Well, and then he was limited with an ankle injury. So. Right, right. <laughs> and so basically my point is he's not playing well, as we know, and now you get the best defense in the league coming into your building and Peyton and all the drama that comes with that. Bad spot for the Colts. And you, it looks like probably won't have T.Y. Hilton to take, or at least there's a good chance that they're not going to have T.Y. Hilton to take up one of those great cornerback. So I, I talked the other show about what a low moment this is going to be for Jim Irsay to see Peyton Manning what other show? break records. Uh, our show on Tuesday. Not the Jesselman oh. uh, <laughs> podcast, but thanks for on a, So on, a, on Dan's radar. On a, uh, on a side note, do you ever come up with an idea uh, for the podcast and you're like, oh, I think I'll save that for the Jeselnik show? No. <laughs> there's no crossover. We just talk about nonsense. Um, okay. Good to <laughs> imagine, know. Imagine, what, what is the Colts fans' reaction going to be when he Let's say he obviously they're not going to cheer him breaking the wins record. That only happens at the final gun. But if he breaks the passing record in the middle at the late third quarter, and the, let's say the Broncos are up by 16 at that point, do they give him a big standing I, ovation? No doubt. I, I kind of think they're they nice do. People think, there. And yeah. what a low moment that is! It for is, the but this isn't yeah. the black hole. I mean, this is the Peyton Manning is you know left with no ill will, and they got Andrew Luck in his stead. I mean, that's and, not a bad. Situation. And the we've been to Indianapolis for the combine and for a Super Bowl. That's a that's a those are nice people in Very Indiana. Nice. But it's not a nice town right now. That might be the most negative journalism town well, that's team different. situation that's going on in the whole country. I mean, the negativity and the those are two different there, things, though. You're that's right. That's fair. That's. That's fair, but I think that that must have in, infected the fans a little. They bit. will give him a very big ovation because he is still beloved there, and he's still active there, and charities and and things of the like. Peyton's a good dude, and they recognize. And him. forget the touchdowns; they're going to be six interceptions in this game. Whoa! But, all right, break them Divide down. Divide them up. Well, I don't know how it's going to break down, but I just see <laughs> six total because how do you these have two have thro- specific info. They've thrown a ton of interceptions, else. Manning and Luck, all season long. We really Luck is only good when they're down by a ton of points. Mark, we really need to compliment the boss here. In of his, course. <laughs> his, I like this. Forget the scientist heat. In this midseason awards column that he wrote early this week, you know, he pointed out that the Broncos' win over the Packers was the most important game of the year so far, the most telling game. And I thought the same thing when I re- rewatched it. The Broncos looked like a totally different offense. Peyton Manning. The best he's looked in a while. C.J. Anderson looked like 2014 C.J. Anderson. This looks like a real balanced team now. And this is a team that is now in the Broncos playing very fast, and that's what we would like to see out of this Colts team. I do think it is what we will see out of this Rob Chudzinski as the offensive coordinator team, but that's that's what I was thinking watching that Denver game is they, they really played quickly. If you noted the first three or four plays of the game, they're getting the snap off with 25 seconds left on the play clock, play clock and they're going deep. I mean, don't you? They talk though about the fact that with Chud, it's not gonna—you're not gonna see Chud's fingerprints all over this offense this week. 
maybe that's just nonsense, but they're gonna it's gonna take it longer than that for him to do what he wants to do, especially if T.Y. Hilton isn't on the field. Speaking of the Broncos' defense, from the Week Nine research notes, this is the rhythm of the night. The night, oh yeah, the rhythm of the night. This is the. The Broncos are allowing just 4.1 yards per play this season. That's not only the best in the NFL, but dating back to 2000, only the 2008 Steelers held teams to fewer yards per play, 3.9. Wow, that's impressive. The 2008 Steelers, of course, went on to win the Super Bowl. This is, and I think one of our now hits this week, Mark, you talked about uh, the Broncos having a historic level defense. The numbers back it up. I was correct. In Mark's deluxe midseason awards, column we should praise him for that he made the same point that they they were on par with the 85 bears and 2000 ravens and then chuck pagano having read your column mm. made a similar statement chaz pagano read mark's column yes and then said that this defense is very reminiscent of the 2000 time ravens. for pagano to start focusing on more important elements of football well, than he wanted to get an happening. update on frank signetti you think uh, miller sense. and Ware are good on grass put him on that fast track in indianapolis luck's gonna be running for his life we all took the Denver Broncos. Uh, now to the primetime game, Sunday Night Football, the Eagles at the Cowboys. Oh, great. NFC Another. least showdown, a 3-4 and four fi- uh, Philly outfit against uh, the 2-5 and five Dallas Cowboys. Last place. Yes, Mark? Well, I want to praise Greg because oh, wow, Greg, wow. Greg just appeared on NFL Network to today, and basically what I like the most about Greg's rather pristine hit <laughs> was his slapdown of the NFC East because I've been saying this for a long time too. We so all have. I, yeah. this, no matter what this division does, they get on prime time, and it is tedious because I get that Chris and Al love these guys, but it is the <laughs> same thing year after year. Greg nailed it in his hit. Good job. Nice job, boss. I just want to point out that we've been – taping for over an hour now and you guys have relentlessly been praising of each other and, and defensive praising being defensive about it i have not been praised once this entire show <laughs> dan and actually it's, got- now it's starting to add up. like at first i was letting it, you know i wasn't even thinking about it and now it's bothering i said I you put a bow on a point where you just copied our point i haven't read any of your features this week well what i'm saying is i i have yet to write a feature this oh. week. end around well, out friday though that would help ready. end around is my favorite article in the business thank you that's all i was looking well for. how are greg and mark supposed to take that well, da- well dan, they're not uh, as good dan goes home he has a praise chart on his wall <laughs> and he at at the end of each show he just marks little check marks he's he's keeping track you damn right I am. It's like the guy. It's like Steve Buscemi and Billy Madison. Then he no, puts lipstick on. No, I was being cool about it, but then once like the the latest round of <laughs> the phrases, fact, the fact that you even thought like, you were enough. being cool about it is amazing. <laughs> it's like enough at a certain point. Stop slapping each other on the back, and if you're gonna do it ceaselessly for an entire show, get the old Zeuser involved. Dan, you made a great point. <laughs> Thank you. There's number two. Um, I'm, now I'm feeling better. Anyway, so, yes, Tony Romo this week in pra- uh, return to practice, thrown a little bit, but it will be Matt Castle again. And uh, you know what? I don't think Chip can handle Big D. I think that this is a game where the Cowboys will break their losing streak. Five games uh, will be over, and the Eagles go into panic mode. Mark Sanchez start next week. Did the Cowboys? Wow. Did the Cowboys sign a new quarterback this week? No, I don't believe so. Matt Castle. Why would you think that Matt Castle is going to win a football game? Because I think the Cowboys are due. I just think I don't. I don't like this Eagles team at all. I haven't liked them really for the past three years. Uh, but this team specifically, I think they're a flawed team with a bad quarterback. 
and I think it's going to catch up to him in prime time in a big spot, and I do think this will be the last straw. Another poor Sam Bradford performance will be one too many. I think the Eagles will win this division in the end because they have the only group in the entire division that I can trust, which is their defense. Out of the eight offenses or defenses, I think the Eagles have something at least. They have a defense, and if you squinted really hard in that Eagles-Panthers game, you probably saw the best Sam Bradford's looked just about all season. Oh, come on. Solid, a solid game from him. There's seven or eight drops. He, he did not really make any mistakes. He looked a little more comfortable in the pocket. They get the bye week. Maybe like Peyton Manning, a new quarterback and a new system, maybe, maybe that bye week will help us. Well, and that's where we're at with out. Sam Bradford. It, like He wasn't a complete disaster right. to some degree. I'm not trying to pretend. I would say the Cowboys are by far the best team in this division, except here's the problem. You need Tony Romo they back They never win field. any games. Well, no, but problem. no, no, but all right. You take any any team, you take their starting franchise quarterback, they're not going to be the same. If if they, if Romo were back this week, I would I would ticket Dallas to win this division. But week 11 is too late and you're probably not wrong with the Eagles doing just enough. Isn't it still going to be a, an 8 and 8 team that wins this thing? 9 and 7 at most. You yeah. know, Greg spent the whole offseason uh, basically hyping up Joseph Randall as the greatest running back of all oh. time. And he is the GOAT. He's the GOAT because the Cowboys sent him out of the city, put all their sins on him, and everything's fine now. All the sins of the Cowboys rest on the GOAT, Joseph Randall. <laughs> By the way, Randall all I and said McFadden was was, have more yards than uh, DeMarco Murray. Right, yeah. All I said was he was a lot better than you were giving credit. He played fine this year. Uh, What's he doing now? Before he went crazy. <laughs> That's a good question. What is Joseph Randall doing right now? Shopping at Dillard's. Lock Dillard's. <laughs> Sessler and Hansis both took the Cowboys or Wesley and Patrick took the Eagles. Greg didn't take anything. <laughs> Takes us to Monday Night Football, the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, old, one of the proud franchises in the league. So anytime you get the chance to watch them in prime time, it really makes you long for the days of Butkus. Ditka and Walter Payton. I'm selling the game, guys. Were you, did you watch any of those people the before? Shield. Uh, no, of course not. Makes you long for the days of Neil Anderson. Uh, they will face the San Diego Chargers. Uh, so this is a 2-5 and five team against a 2-6 and six team. I did my best to sell it. Now it's your turn, Sessler. Well, this is a terrible game. Um, I'm not going to hide behind any sort of – I'm not going to fake it. it it's, it's a, it's, these are the games that need to be flexed. That will be my point. It's I've the time of year where there's great matchups, and we're stuck watching this on Monday I actually night. convinced Mark, Mark over our Slack uh, instant message client earlier <laughs> this, Slack and sign this up week for Slack today. that the NFL was pushing this game hard as part of an initiative to, I don't know, I said something about the Los Angeles situation that didn't make any sense, and Mark volunteered to, real, to go down to San Diego for this game. He fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Well, two points, number one, Get shows out of you. The city. Absolutely a loyal employee to you and would have done anything including Are we sure this that's game. what it shows? Number two, I'm willing to believe any decision like that that comes down from the top at this point, even though I, I said in retort, if they want to pump up the L.A. thing, the Raiders and Chargers play each other in prime time in week 16. Wouldn't that be a better fit? No, this is a better fit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it really didn't make as any if, sense. As if this game wasn't already bad enough, Keenan Allen out for the year, probably the most fun player on the Chargers to watch. Matt Forte's injured with an MCL. 
I've got one guy to watch. Alshon Jeffrey was awesome last week, and he's been good the last couple of weeks. He's been fun to watch. Jay Cutler running around and then just throwing, Jay Cutler's never throwing the ball up deep to Alshon Jeffrey. Oh, is, Jay Cutler throwing off his back foot every throw. I'm just saying that is the number one play in their playbook. And yeah, Jeffrey's throw off back, your back foot, fade away. Throw, throw it up it. in the air, hope something good happens. Matt Forte looks like he's going to miss. It's a good night to rake your leaves in the dark. <laughs> we, all, we all took the Chargers in that game, and that wraps up our preview of all the Week 9 games, and I hope you learned a lot. Really, I do. I learned um, that we're all supportive co-workers. Very much. Um, except for towards Dan. Yeah, when it's it's okay to be supportive, but it's got to be spread out evenly. That's all. If we had this podcast on Friday afternoons after your end around came, came out, it would be nonstop plaudits for <laughs> Dan Hansis. You know, it's like story of my life. By the way, check out the Around the NFL podcast on iTunes where you can oh, leave yeah. reviews and ratings. We'll be doing that again, uh, you know, reading the reviews, both good and bad, at some point in Stock the Stock up the on your acorns. Uh, yeah, uh, more acorns, please. So uh, check out, uh, leave us a high rating, leave us uh, comments, and we will be eternally grateful. We'll be back on Sunday night. Uh, that is our flagship show where we will recap all the games that we just previewed. And that show is also on YouTube. You can check us out on YouTube at YouTube.com, which is a very popular site on the Internet. I'm told. <laughs> our playlist on YouTube is in our Twitter profile. How about that? Oh, that's good. Yeah, so follow us on Twitter at Around the NFL. That's it, at Around the NFL. This is Dan Hansis signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Boss, La Cid, Behind the Glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.